We're in a series called The Perfect Kid. The Perfect Kid. Today, my title is called Discipline God's Way. And excited about next weekend as we have our Friends Day and speaking on a message that's so relevant to all of us, how to respond when a good kid goes bad. You may have a good kid that's went bad. You may have a sibling, a cousin that you know that has went bad. And how do we respond when good people go bad? We're going to address that next week. I believe it's going to be very helpful. Discipline God's way. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about discipline. And right up front, I want you to understand this. I don't want to preach at you. I want to preach and speak with you and, and to you. I have not cracked the code when it comes to the area of discipline. Um, I'm far from a parenting expert. I want you uh, to know that right up front. Uh, I, I'm actually a fellow struggler just like you. I'm trying my best to honor God and to raise kids who are God-fearing and who will serve the Lord and love the Lord uh, all of their life. So I'm on the same playing field as you today. And I do realize that when it comes to the subject of discipline, questions arise and oftentimes debates break out and confusion reigns. And so what I want to do today is I want to shed some light to, uh, about what God's Word has to say about the subject of, of discipline. I believe that God's Word has the final authority. Not Super Nanny, not Dr. Spears... Not Parents Magazine. I believe God's Word has, has the final authority. So, so whether you're a pre-parent or a single parent or a step-parent or a grandparent or any other kind of parent, I want all of us to take a fresh look on what God's Word has to say about this very important subject of discipline. And what I want to do today is I want to give you four keys to discipline God's way. If you have your bulletin, you can open it up. There's a page there where there's some sermon notes, and you can fill in the blanks and take this message home with you today. Point number one, the first key to discipline God's way is you must be consistent. You must be consistent. Ephesians chapter 6, and just to let you know, I'm going to hop all across the Bible today as we're just looking at what God's Word has to say about discipline Ephesians 6 and verse number 4 is our starting point today. And fathers, do not provoke, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. Everybody say discipline. Oh, come on, everybody say discipline. Notice that, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We want to bring them up in the Lord, the discipline of the Lord. And, and some parents provoke their kids because they, when it comes to the area of, of discipline, they don't have clear guidelines. As this may be the case in your home, the lines are always moving. <laughs> One week, this is the rule, and the next week, the lines moved over here, and the next week, it's moved over here, and now, uh, three weeks later, it's back over here, and, and your kids are saying, hey, I want to obey you. I want to obey my father and my mother, but, but I don't know the rules. I, I don't understand the expectation. The lines keep moving week after week. And it's very important as parents that we have clear expectations, that we have clear guidelines, that we have 
clear rules for our kids to be able to follow and obey or we will provoke our children to anger. And it's very important as you are establishing guidelines or that may be adding to the guidelines you already have, it's very important that you discipline for attitude as well as action. Because your kids, how many know this, they can obey you outwardly and be rebelling inwardly. Prime example. Child, please go to your room and, and clean your room. I don't want to. No, go to your room and clean your room. Okay. Loser. Door slam. Poof. They start cleaning the room. And you said there's a parent going, that's right, I won that battle. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't win. Yeah, their room's going to get clean, but they are rebelling on the inside. It's very important as you establish guidelines that you let your kids know one of the guidelines is we're going to discipline for attitude as well as for action. And some parents provoke their children to anger because they don't consistently enforce the guidelines. You may know what I'm talking about. You know, you have this guideline, you have these clear expectations, and, and one week, boy, you're firm. This is the rules, kids. These are the guidelines, and, and you're disciplined for that. And, and then the next week, you're no longer disciplined for that. And you let them get away with it. You let the kid get away with it. You let the teenager get away with it. And you let them get, get away with it for a month. And all of a sudden, later on, here you go again. Now you want to discipline a year, a, a, a month later, you're saying, hey, this is the guideline, this is the rule, and now you want to enforce it again, and you, you want to discipline it again. And three weeks later, you kind of loosen up and lax up, and you let them get away with it. And then a month later, here you are again. Now this is the rules. We're going to enforce it. And your kids are getting provoked to anger because they're thinking, is, is this a rule or not? <laughs> are you serious about this or not? Is this really a guideline or not? Because you're not consistent with, with enforcing this rule. And so I'm confused. I, 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 I'm getting some mixed signals from you, Dad. I'm getting some mixed signals from you, Mom. And as a parent, you, you know this like I do. Uh, it's a very tiring job being a parent. Matter of fact, when it comes to the area of discipline, you can end up becoming very lazy if you're not careful. I, I have three little kids, and and every day, a day doesn't go by. Matter of fact, it's almost all day. This is what we hear around our house. He touched me. She took that from me. Stop looking at me. You're in my space. She bit me. He hit me. Get away from me. Ah, I mean, all day long. And sometimes as parent, as a parent, I just go, I give up today. I quit. I resign. Just have it at World War VI. Go at each other. Here's the truth. When it comes to the area of discipline as a parent, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of effort. And listen, it's worth it. It's the best thing for your kids. Your kids need to have clear guidelines, and they need you to enforce them consistently. Number two, there's a, a second key to discipline God's way. Number two is this. You must have a unified front. When it comes to discipline, there's a lot of division in many homes. And the scripture says this, a couple of powerful scriptures. Amos chapter 3 and verse number 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And we can look at this scripture through the lens of, of a marriage relationship. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? I mean, when it comes to the area of discipline and parenting, we've got to get on the same page. We've got to talk. 
We've got to communicate long before the issues start occurring. We've got to get together as parents and say, what do we agree to do? How are we going to handle this? How can two walk together unless they agreed to do so? Mark chapter 3 and verse number 25 says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand in any arena including the parenting arena, the, the discipline arena. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Just a quick word to married couples. Don't let your kids play you. <laughs> How many know what I mean? Yeah. Daddy said something different. Mommy said so. Well, Mommy, I want you to know. Daddy doesn't do it like that. Don't, don't, let, your kids, don't let your kids play you. Get, 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 a, get a unified front. It's very important when it comes to unity with your kids and unity as parents that, that, that you guys disagree in private, especially when it comes to the area of discipline. Have each other's back. Don't, 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 play, don't, don't pick sides. If you get, one of the parents says, this is the rule, this is what's happening, this is how I'm going to discipline. If you disagree with them, go behind closed doors. Keep a unified front. Don't turn over the house to the kids. Amen. You back each other up. Have a unified front front. To, a, a quick word to divorced parents. You know, I realize some of you, you're divorced and, and you may not even like your ex-spouse. Matter of fact, if, if I was to ask you how to show of hands, how many of you don't like your ex-spouse? I don't want you to raise your hand now. Amen. I, I don't want you to do that. There may be several of you had a nasty divorce. Uh, things didn't go well, not going well. But, but listen, when it comes to the area of your kids, you need to practice Amos 3.3. You need to come up with an agreement on how you're going to parent and how you're going to discipline your kids. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It may be very difficult, but you need to come up with an agreement on how you're going to discipline and how you're going to parent your kids. It's not doing your kids any good to go, well, your daddy is an idiot, your mama's an idiot, they don't do anything right. You're not accomplishing anything. And for the health of your kids... You may have to work at it. It may take all of your energy. It may take extreme patience. But you need to do your best to have a unified front when it comes to your kids. The, a third group that I want to address today, and very quickly, and that's the blended family. And I grew up in a, in a blended family. And what oftentimes happens in a blended family, you see a husband and wife get married, and one of them brings kids into the relationship. Sometimes both brings kids into the relationship. And what happens in a lot of blended families is they take this stance. One of the spouses says, these are my kids and don't you touch my kids. Don't you mess with my kids. These are my kids. And you better not mess with my kids. And I, I would beg to differ with you because the Bible says that when the two get married, the two become one flesh. And it's no longer yours. Everything is now ours. And this is our house. And this is our money. And this is our stuff. And these are our kids. And you need to do your best to sit down and talk things through and come up with a unified front and agree on how you're going to handle the kids. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I mean, I grew up in a home. I understand that, that, that you got you got real dad and stepdad and maybe real mom and stepmom, and you got and it gets confusing and the lines get. But you got to sit down and come to an agreement on how we're going to parent and how we're going to discipline our kids, because the two are now one flesh. There is a, a a third key to discipline God's way. Number three is this: you must discipline in love. 
Discipline and love. I, I want to spend some time on this point today because I think it's vitally, vitally important. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful, is careful to discipline him. Notice the Bible says that when you love your children, you will discipline them when you really love them. I want you to notice the second thing here. It, it, it says, when you discipline your children, love should always proceed discipline. Notice what the scripture says. But he who loves him, love proceeds to discipline. He who loves him is careful to discipline them. And you can't get it the other way around. If you're going to discipline and love, listen, you've got to love before you, before you discipline. Everybody say, love, love. proceeds discipline. Come on, one more time. Love proceeds discipline. That's so important for us to get in our hearts and to get in our minds. Love should always proceed discipline. I want to quickly give you four characteristics of loving discipline. Number one is this. Loving discipline does not discipline in anger. That can be difficult at times. But loving discipline does not discipline in anger. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Friends, loving discipline is not something that we, it, 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 it actually is something that we do for our kids. It's not something that we do to our kids. You see, when, when you discipline in anger, you're not doing it for your kids. You're doing it to your kids for your benefit. And, and that's not loving discipline. Loving discipline does not discipline in anger because I want to do it for my kids, not to my kids. And if you missed last week, you missed some stories about me growing up and how ornery I was as a kid. And I used to make my parents mad and angry a lot because I was, I was a wild child. I was what I call a special child. And there was one day my mom was brushing my, my sister's hair, and I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but mom began to get mad at me. She said, you stop doing that. And I didn't stop at first. And she said, son, I said, you stop doing that. And I didn't stop, and she got real mad. Son, I said, you stop doing it. And the next thing I know, mama cocked that brush back. How many had a parent that threw stuff at you sometimes? I mean, look at here, boy. I'm you you got to have your eyes both open in my house. I mean, you got to watch, boy. I mean, and mama threw that brush back. She threw that brush at me, and I, I jumped out the way. And, you know, that really made her mad. You know, she missed me. You know what I'm saying? She, then, then here's what Mama said to me. Here's what Mama said. She said, son, pick that brush up and bring it to me. Uh-uh. Oh, no. I got the drill already, Mama. I love you. But if you want to hit me with the brush, you go get, you go get the brush. I'm not bringing you back the brush. <laughs> no, I didn't get it the brush either. I'm telling you. Mama wasn't trying to do that. She wasn't doing that for my benefit. She was trying to do that to me for her benefit. And there's a difference. It was Wednesday night. Uh, we put our kids to bed at, at 8 o'clock on Wednesday and all, every day, really. And usually we try to do it a little bit before 8 because on Wednesday night, one of our favorite TV programs comes on at Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. And we were running a little late. And it was about 5 till 8. And we're putting the kids down to bed. And Went as our ritual went in Karis's room and we prayed for our little girl and we put her down and then we went to the boys' room and I went to Cade, our 
middle son and went to pray for him. And I prayed for Cade. And, and then I said, son, you know, like I do every day, I say, son, who would you like to pray for today? And Cade went, hmm, hmm. Hmm. I said, son, Harry, and, and pray for somebody now. Pick somebody to pray for, son. Hmm. He said, well, I, I pray for mommy. I said, okay, pray for, pray for mommy. And Kate prayed for mommy, and now here we are. There's about two minutes until the show starts. And, and, and I'm feeling the crunch, and I'm a little frustrated by now. And, and so, I mean, this is a holy moment at the Cooper house. You know what I mean? And so I go over, and I, and I pray for Kel. And I say, Kel, who would you like to pray for tonight? And Kel goes, hmm, hmm. And I said, son, pick somebody to pray for. I mean, it's awfully holy moment. And I'm telling you. He goes, hmm, hmm. I said, well, I, I pray for mommy too. And then Kel prayed for mommy. And after he prayed, I said, son, don't you ever do that again. And I went to the living room, and I sat on the couch, and the show came on right when I got out there, and it took me 10 minutes to get over my... I wanted to hurt that boy. I'm telling you, I was mad. I was, I was frustrated. I wanted to discipline him, not for his benefit, because for my benefit, because, boy, you're about to make me miss my show. <laughs> That's not how you discipline. You don't discipline in anger. That's not loving discipline. Number two, number two, the second characteristic of loving discipline, number two, loving discipline does include the rod. You say, Herbert, do you and Tiffany spank your kids? Yes, we do. I know it's not the politically correct answer in our world today, but we believe that God's word has the final authority. And in our home, we really believe this. We believe that God knows what's best for our kids. And we believe God's word is infallible and it will not lead us astray. And the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 24, he who spares the rod hates his son. And that's strong, strong language. Spares the rod, hates his son. And whatever uh, item you may use, you know, it may be a good idea just to name it rod. Say, I want to introduce you to your new best friend, kids. Your friend name is Rod. Say hi to Rod. If you disobey, you have to get to know Rod. I, I think when you get real anointed, you give Rod a first and a last name. Amen. Maybe it'd be even a middle name. Amen. You get, this is Rod the bottom hitter. Amen. Mr. Rod will be your friend if you disobey. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Please understand this. This is so important. The Bible encourages parents to spank their kids, not to beat their kids. Not to abuse their kids. Not to hurt their kids. And there's a fine line. The Bible says to, to spank, to use the rod, not to beat, not to hurt, not to abuse. I got my last spanking at, um, how many believe I got my, I was such a good boy, I got my last spanking at eight years old. Who believes that? Oh, no, I got my last spanking when I was a sophomore in high school. That's right, I was in high school about to drive and got my last spanking. And here's what happened. I was a sophomore in high school, and a, a senior in high school invited me 
to the junior and senior prom. How I many know that's big time stuff? You know what I mean? I'm going to the prom as a sophomore. And, man, I thought I was big time stuff. And daddy and mama gave me a curfew. I think it was around 12 or 1 o'clock. I, I had to be home. And we went out to the prom. And she informed me that she didn't have a curfew. And I just started thinking, well, that's not right. I mean, I have a curfew. And she doesn't have a curfew. And in my mind, I start working a scenario in my mind. I said, well, you know, since I've been alive on the earth, my dad and mom, they never have checked my room. Seriously. They, they never, ever, after we went to bed, they never walked into the room and checked on us. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stay out a little later because, I mean, they never check the room. And it's about 1.30 or so. I don't remember, 1.30, 2 o'clock at night. And, and uh, my buddy said, hey, you want to drive by your house and check on things? I said, yeah, because, you know, we woke up. You can get around the whole town in five minutes. You know what I mean? So we can just swoop, <laughs> swoop across town in no time. And so he, he went across town and and we pulled up, drove past my house, and as we were driving past my house, every light <laughs> in every room was on. I remember this feeling like it was yesterday. My heart and chest dropped to my stomach. I almost went paralyzed there. He said, man, you want me to stop? I said, no, keep going. No, brother's got to collect himself now. I'm telling you, every light's on. We drove around for another 30 minutes, and I wasn't living for the Lord, but I was praying and believing God. And man, I tell you, it was it was a serious moment. He drove me back home, and every light was still on, and I opened the front door. And when I opened the front door, we had a really small laundry room, and then. You could, the kitchen was right next to the laundry room, and you could see the refrigerator right when you walked in the door. And I, I opened the door, and I lifted the refrigerator, and Rod was sitting on top of The belt was hanging. I thought, oh, no. And then just within seconds, my daddy walked around the corner. Boy, your mother and I been worried about you. Where you been? I I told him, oh, no, the beats are going to begin. He said, get to your room right now. My dad grabbed that belt off the, uh, uh, off the refrigerator. True story. Here's how my mama and daddy spanked. My mama and daddy spanked screaming sentences slowly. Here's an example of how they spanked. My daddy got that belt and said, son, I told you, don't you disobey. Three words. For one word, disobey your mama and I. I thought, oh, Lord, he's working in paragraphs. <laughs> true story, true story. My daddy's spanking my bottom as I'm laying across my bed. I crawl up. I grab the computer. I said, I'll pull it off. I'll pull it off. And my daddy stopped the beating I don't think he did all that for my benefit. That's not what we're talking about, folks. That's not the kind of spankings we're, we're advocating or the Bible is advocating. Yet my daddy did get home the point that night. Amen. Point number three. There is a third characteristic to loving discipline. Number three is this. Loving discipline uses judgment. Uses judgment. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 20 says, You children 
must always obey your fathers and mothers. Just a quick word to our students, to our kids today. It's very important that you always obey your father and mother. He says, well, they're, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. That, that's not why you obey them. You, you all, listen, don't make it more difficult for your parents. Don't provoke your parents. Don't disobey your parents. Well, Pastor, I mean, why in the world should I obey my parents? They're clueless. They don't, they don't know anything. But why? Scripture says you children must always obey your fathers and mothers for that pleases the Lord. You want to please God. You want God to bless you. You want God's hand on your life. You want God's hand on your future. Listen, you want to please the Lord, obey your father and mother. Verse 21, fathers, do not, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. Please hear me. You can discipline your children too much. You can be too strict. You can go overboard. Listen, fathers, mothers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged. You rip their self-esteem from them. Listen, you're not benefiting them. You're tearing them down. And that's why when it comes to discipline, it takes a lot of judgment. you got to know when to discipline and how to discipline your kids case by case because I don't want to scold you so much and be so strict and go overboard the other way that I discourage you and you quit trying. Loving discipline uses a lot of judgment and a lot of discernment. Number four, there's a a fourth characteristic to loving discipline. Number four is this, loving discipline provides instruction, instruction. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. And oftentimes we, we kind of focus on that and stop there, but it says bring them up in the discipline and instruction, and instruction of the Lord. You see, loving discipline provides instruction. You need to explain to your kids why they're getting in trouble. Give them instruction on how they can do better. Encourage them to be better and to do their best. You see, discipline without instruction can be very dangerous. And you need to give your kids instruction. Tiffany and I try our best to do that with our kids as they're getting in trouble to to give them instruction and say, here's what you can do better. Here's where daddy and mama are not happy. You're you're a good boy. You're a good girl, but, but you've blown it here. And and we're not happy with it, and, and you can do better than this. And we expect better from you. And to give our kids instruction and not just discipline, because loving discipline provides instruction. Point number four, I, I want to close with this last point, and this is so, so key for us to let this sink into our hearts. Number four, you must discipline because it benefits your kids. I really want this to sink in today. I'm talking to Parents here, I'm talking to some of you that are going to have kids in the future. Listen, you must discipline because it benefits your kids. Proverbs 22 and verse 15 says, Folly, or that would be foolishness, is bound up in the heart of a child. How many of you parents can say amen to that? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, your kids come out, my kids come out, and you're thinking, how would you learn that? Come out screaming and crying and deceptive and... I mean, my, even little, I mean, they're six months old, deceiving you, you know, eight months old, looking at you, seeing if you're watching so they can grab. I mean, where'd you get that from, girl? I remember the first time my little boy lied to me. I thought, boy, where did you get that from? 
You're lying to your daddy. Who taught you that? Nobody had to teach them. They're born into sin. <laughs> They're born with foolishness in their hearts. They're born with folly. Scripture says, listen, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. It's, it benefits your kids. Proverbs 19 and verse 18 says, discipline your son, for in, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death, to his demise, to his destruction. Proverbs 23 and verse 13 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod. And I love the last of this verse. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Man, that's good stuff. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That is good. Good stuff. Save his soul from death. Proverbs 29 and verse 15 says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom. You want your kids to be wise? <laughs> the rod of correction imparts wisdom. But a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Proverbs 29 and verse 17, discipline your son and he will give you peace. How many of you would like to have peace in your house? Amen. Discipline your son. Discipline your daughter. And they will give you peace. He will be, bring delight to your soul. We haven't mastered this scripture by any means in the Cooper house because sometimes we got just living chaos. But discipline your child. And he'll give you peace. Hebrews 12 and verse number 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Hear my heart today. I believe if you are providing loving discipline for your kids, it hurts them as much as it should hurt you. It can be painful to them and to you. You know, there are times when I am disciplining my kids, oftentimes, the, the majority of the time. I'll say this to my kids, I don't want to do this. Daddy does not like this. I don't want to have to do this, but it's for your benefit. And, you know, I remember my parents said that every once in a while to me, you know, it hurts me as much as it's going to hurt you. I don't believe that, but now I'm a, I believe that now I'm a parent. I mean, it hurts me as much as it's going to hurt, hurt you. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But listen to this. Here's what we're after, parents, future parents. Here's what we're after. Singles, one day you're going to get married and have kids. Here's what we're after. Later on, we're looking about the harvest. We're thinking about their future. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline God's way. My hope today is that God's word will be the final authority in your life. I'm not super nanny, Dr. Spears, some magazine, but you would look to God's word. It's the final authority. And you would do loving discipline God's way. And all I can say, if you'll do it God's way, just watch the rewards that you're going to reap in your kid's life. Lord Jesus, thank you so much.